My name is Greg Kodrowski, and this is my podcast, Theology 101. I like to study the Bible, and I don't think the Bible is really that difficult to understand. For the most part, it's really pretty simple, and simple is better. So if you're like me, and you want to know more about the Bible, or if you just want to hear more about the Bible, stick around. And if you want to know more about me or check out my pedigree, Google me or visit my website, theology101.net. Paul doesn't mention discipleship in any of his epistles. Well, what does that mean? Does that mean that since we're a Pauline church, that we're living in a Pauline dispensation, if we're in the church age and we follow Pauline doctrine because God gave the apostleship of the circumcision to Peter and the apostleship to the Gentiles to Paul, and well, does that mean we we don't do discipleship today? What does that mean? Paul doesn't mention discipleship in any of his epistles. Now, I don't know. I mean, we've obviously been talking about discipleship here in several of these uh, little podcasts, and I don't know what you think of discipleship. I don't know where you're coming from, uh, you know, what, what kind of history you have with discipleship. Ever since I got saved in 1988 and I got plugged into the Navigators Campus Ministry, I've been around discipleship a lot. And I think sometimes we get this drilled into our head that discipleship, discipleship, and discipleship is just something we do like a program in the church when we lose sight of the fact that discipleship is really the work of God throughout history to restore his lost image in fallen man. That's kind of what we saw in the last podcast when we started this, uh, this, this teaching on, on what is discipleship. When we started this, this, uh, this series uh, of podcasts, we started talking about our purpose in life, you know, and then our mission in life. And then we said, well, okay, our purpose in life is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. Westminster Confession got that right. There's a lot that the Westminster Confession did not get right, but they got that right. So, okay, so we glorify God and enjoy Him forever. Uh, how do we do that? We looked at John 17, 4, and John 17, 4, Christ says to the Father, He says, I've, I've glorified the unearth. I finished the work which you gave me to do. Okay, so what's the work God gave us to do? so that we can glorify him on earth. And that work, like we saw, uh, encapsulated in the general sense of what we call the Great Commission, um, is to be and make disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what, that's what God wants. So we, we Okay, so if we're going to talk about being and making disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ, we need to understand this concept of making disciples. And, and the word discipleship is one that we made up. It's not found in the Bible. Discipling, uh, disciple is a verb. It's not in the Bible. The disciple, a noun, that's in the Bible. And so we started there, and we started taking a look at, okay, what's the Bible say about a disciple? And we took that concept, and we traced it through, and we saw that, you know, in the in the Gospels, that's where we see disciple mentioned all the time. It's, you know, the 12 disciples, the disciples here and the disciples there, and then we get into the book of Acts, and disciple, 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 disciple. We saw that Jesus Christ took this concept of discipleship and making disciples and having disciples at the beginning of his earthly ministry, and he molded and changed and transformed that concept into what we see later in the latter part of his ministry and what we see especially after he ascended in Acts chapter 1, we see in the book of Acts. And so we saw that you know, a disciple in the book of Acts is basically what we call a Christian. It's a believer. It's somebody who's following Jesus Christ. It's somebody who's repented of their sin and turned from sin and self, and they've turned to the Lord Jesus Christ. Now they're following him. That's a disciple, okay? It's a disciple. It's a follower. Somebody who's following Jesus Christ to be like him in, in character and conduct, okay? So that's a disciple. A disciple is what we call a Christian, and we, we saw that Christians were, or disciples were first called Christians in, in Antioch. I think it's 11, Acts eleven twenty six around there. Well, with that biblical definition of disciple, now we've started to talk about discipleship, okay? Very, very important, discipleship, okay? Um, because of, as I've said before, we have discipleship, this term discipleship being used all over the place in churches and ministries and and with you know renegade lone ranger christians discipleship discipleship and discipleship well the bible doesn't mention discipleship so we have to be very careful with this word 
um, and define it. What are we talking about when we talk about discipleship? It's like using the word Trinity to refer to the Godhead. You know, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, they're three in one Trinity. Okay, fine. Or when we talk about the rapture, um, rapture is not a Bible word, catching away. It's not a Bible word. There's there's really no good single Bible word uh, for, for the rapture. We could use a transliteration of the Greek word and start calling it the harpazo. But frankly, that's just weird. So when we talk about discipleship, we need to define the term, and that's what we're doing. That's what we did in the last podcast. That's what we're going to try to do and finish up here because we left this we left this study about discipleship with the idea that, wait, wait, wait a minute. Paul doesn't mention disciple in, his, in any of his epistles. And frankly, after the book of Acts, disciple is not mentioned one time in the Bible. So, so what do we do with that? You know, you, I don't know where you come from. I'm a Bible believer. I like to think that I approach the Scripture from a position of faith. I'd like to think that, you know, when God promised that He would preserve His people and His words, His people, Israel, that Israel is God's chosen people forever, uh, they always will be, the church is not Israel, Israel is not the church, I don't care, uh, you know, what kind of allegorical interpretation uh, your church denomination has said to say that we are the spiritual Jews and we're the no, we're not. No, no, we're not. Israel is Israel, and Israel will always be God's people. We are separate and distinct. We're the church. We're the body of Christ. We're the members of his body. God's going to rapture us out off of this earth, and he's going to turn his attention back to Israel. We're two separate entities. Okay, well, God will preserve his people. And he also said, Psalm 12, 6, and 7, he's going to preserve his words. So where are they? Now that's that's one of the things. Some one of my friends in 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 college, uh, he challenged me with that, and uh, it was after I had gotten saved and I'd been a couple of years in the in the navigators, and this buddy of mine, John, uh, he came up to me and he's like, "Okay, if God said that He was going to preserve His words, and He did, Psalm twelve six and seven, He asked me, where are they?" And that was a question that challenged me. To, to answer it and to find, okay, where are God's inspired and preserved words? So I believe we have them. So if we have God's inspired words, and if we believe what John, the Apostle John said in, the, in that last verse of his gospel, you know, where, where he said, you know, uh, these things I've written so that you might believe, if there's many other things that could be written, and if we wrote them down, well, the world's not big enough to contain them. If we wrote everything down that God's done, said, and, and, and what, what, what's what he could write. Well, the, the world's not big enough to, to contain it, okay? So what we have in Genesis to Revelation is the inspired, preserved words of God that God hand-picked for us to have. That means every word is, is important, every word is pure, every word is, the, is what God wants. And so when you look at the Bible and you say, now wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. After the book of Acts, the word disciple is not mentioned. Folks, I, I think that means we ought to pay attention to that, especially in churches where we pat ourselves on the back and strut around and say, we got discipleship, right? How much spiritual pride is there in our churches today? Hey, I'll, I'll roll myself into that one. How much spiritual pride do we have when we say, oh, we got discipleship? Look, folks, when I was a missionary in, in Latin America, I took what I learned from Kansas City Baptist Temple back in the 90s under Jeff Adams and Alan Shelby and Bob Alexander. I took what they gave me, and I developed that. I, I, I added to it. I changed some things. I tweaked some things. I, I built this three-year discipleship program, and I got a website that's called biblicaldiscipleship.com, okay, in Spanish, discipuladobiblico.com. And, and I put my three-year discipleship course up there. It's, it's step one, step two, step three. You could just work through this. It'll take you three years to get through it. So we kind of, we, we, we strut around. We say, oh, we got discipleship, right? We, yeah, we make disciples. Well, wait a minute, wait a minute. I think we need to take a step back because a lot of times we get focused on the tools that we use, the structure that we have, and we lose sight of the fact that, wait, we have no clue what being a disciple is. We don't even know what discipleship is. We have no idea why God stopped using the word disciple in the book of Acts. 
And so this kind of thing makes me sit up and pay attention. So rather than rather than paying attention to the to to, to structure and tools and and materials, we need to take a closer look at this concept of discipleship in and of itself and start asking ourselves some very, very basic questions. You know, a lot of times you'll get to using some some materials and some tools in your ministry. And you get used used to using those tools, tools, or you get used to a certain structure, and you use that structure over and over and over and over until until it it, it almost becomes second nature for you, and you equate the tool with the job. You know, well, this is the way we've always done it: discipleship. Well, what do you mean disciples? We're making disciples. Well, how do we make disciples? Well, we got sixteen lessons, or or like we 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 have in in some of our churches. Well, we got discipleship one, what we call D1, that's our 16 lessons or topical lessons, okay, gets you grounded in some basic Bible doctrines, kind of like a, a mini beginner systematic theology, practical theology and whatnot. And then we move over into discipleship two, okay? So that's stage two of our discipleship, okay? And what we do in discipleship two is basically teach some principles on how to study the Bible and how the Bible fits together so that the student can learn the Bible. And what do we do? We discipleship one and discipleship two. Well, wait, wait, where's discipleship three and discipleship four? And how many discipleships are there before we get to the, to the last discipleship and I'm done? I can graduate. I can get my certificate that says I'm done, right? And then what's after discipleship, right? So... All I'm saying is, these tools aren't aren't wrong. The structure is not the problem. You know, when a, when a vine grows, you need a trellis. And so as the vine is growing, you build a trellis around it, and then you help that vine to grow in a more healthy way, in a more productive way, and, and, it, and it grows and flourishes on the trellis. The problem is when we start focusing on the trellis and not the vine. The vine is the life. The vine is our... Is, is, is our brothers and sisters in Christ. The structure is the tools we use, the materials we use, what, 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 what we have at our disposal to help someone either come to Jesus Christ through evangelism or those who are in Christ to be edified in him. So what I'm trying to say here is take a step back from the structure. Those of us who have used a structure for, for, for years and sometimes decades, we've used the same structure. We get focused on that structure, and we think the structure is the is the life, and it's not. We get focused on the trellis, D1, D2, uh, Bible Institute. We get focused on that, and we just plug, we try plug people in. We use that terminology. I'll just plug them into discipleship. Just plug them in, plug them in, plug them in. And what we're trying to do is we build the trellis and start shoving the vine in the trellis. That's backwards. We need to let the vine start growing and then see where it needs a little bit of structure. And we put a little trellis there. And as it grows some more, then we put a little bit more structure. And we put a trellis there. Um, I, I stole that. I, you know, um, I just that there's a book some guy wrote, and I don't even know what his name was. I read it uh, probably 10 or 15 years ago called The Trellis and the Vine. And so that concept is, is the concept that's stuck in my head, The Trellis and the Vine. You can Google it or grab it on Amazon. It's a short book and it's very good, very practical, okay? At least in that I don't remember the rest of the stuff, but that that aspect of, you know, we focus on this this structure rather than focusing on on the disciple and focusing on the person. And uh, there was another book by guy's last name is Adsit, A D S I T, Adsit, Personal Discipleship. He was really good, really good about pointing out um, how how we have a problem in focusing on materials and materials based discipleship theory or philosophy rather than a disciple-focused ministry philosophy. And we need to focus on a disciple because, hey, you might get a brother in Christ who's been to seminary or who's been a pastor or who's just read his Bible through, you know, 50 or 100 times. Well, he's not going to have the same needs as somebody who's a brand new convert that comes in with a blank slate. Somebody that just walks in, has never had any type of Christianity in his life at all, and he says, hey, uh, you know, I just came to Christ. Can somebody help me? And what are you going to do with him? Whereas this other guy comes in, he says, yeah, you know, I've been a uh, pastor, and I've been a missionary, and I started a couple of churches and wrote some books. I did this, I did that. You know, hey, I'd love to grow in this local church. Hey, how can we do that together? Well, we're all still disciples. We're all still growing in Christ. We all still have needs. And so let's, let's, let's take a step back. 
from our materials. Let's take a step back from the structures that we've made, D1, D2, you know, discipleship materials, books, and, and, and Bible studies. And let's ask ourselves, number one, we, we already asked ourselves, what is a disciple? And we found out a disciple is a follower of Jesus Christ. That's all it is, disciple. And so discipleship is the process a disciple goes through as he works toward the goal of discipleship. Now, let's remind ourselves. There's, there's two key verses, Luke 6.40 and Romans 8.29. I'm going to mention these again uh, as we go through this study here in this podcast. And I know I've mentioned it a lot, but these two verses are key. These two verses are essential. They make the bridge between discipleship in the ministry of Jesus Christ while he's on earth physically, and discipleship during the church age when Jesus Christ is not physically upon the earth. Luke 6.40, you remember what that verse said? It said the disciple is not above his master, but it is enough that the disciple would be as his master. So the goal of discipleship that we see in the ministry of Jesus Christ on the earth, the goal of discipleship is to be like the master, and that's Jesus Christ, okay? Paul says in Romans 8, 29, that God's goal for each and every one of us, the destination he has predetermined, is that we be conformed to the image of Christ. So that's, that's discipleship. It's the process that a believer, a follower of Jesus Christ, goes through to become more and more like Jesus Christ. That's discipleship. It's this process. It's what we, when we say we're going to be and make disciples, we're talking about the process of discipleship. It's, and it's like we've said before, it's the normal Christian life. I, I'd even go farther than that, folks, because like we saw, now here's our review from what we saw in the last podcast. I'd go farther than saying discipleship is a normal Christian life. Well, it is, because we saw that disciple in the book of Acts, after, after the ministry of Jesus Christ and after he transformed and molded the ministry of discipleship into what he wanted, we find that, that disciples are called Christians. Christians are disciples. It's, they're, they're synonyms in the, in the Bible. So the normal Christian life, the life that, that, that's the norm, what God expects from his children, is discipleship. It's, it's, that, it's, it's a new birth, it's a becoming saved, and then it continues with spiritual growth and maturity as we grow in Christ and become more and more like Him. But like I said, I think it goes beyond that. I think, it's, I think this term discipleship encompasses a whole lot more than just we, what we would think as a New Testament ministry. Because like we saw in the last podcast, folks, you can see the concept of discipleship in the Old Testament. Now, obviously, obviously, there, there's not an emphasis in, in, in discipleship and the terms of discipleship, disciple in the Old Testament that we see in the New, especially in the ministry of Christ, you know, in the Gospels. So we, we don't want to overstate it, but we don't want to overlook it either. And, and what I want, what one of the conclusions we came to is we looked at discipleship in the Old Testament, you know, on a national level, when God called his people Israel out of Egypt and brought them to, to, to Mount Sinai and through Moses, gave them his, his law and the covenant of Moses. And what did he tell them? You know, Leviticus 11, Leviticus 19, that, that, that key phrase that, that we see in the Old Testament, be ye holy, for I am holy. You remember that? God told his people, be ye holy. Why? Because I'm holy. What did he tell him? Be like me. And so in the very same way that Jesus desired for his disciples to become like him, so God in the Old Testament desired Israel to be like him, holy in character, holy in conduct. And so what we see in this concept of discipleship, yeah, Luke 6.40, uh, disciple is to become as his master. Wonderful. Uh, we see it in concept over in Romans 8.29, where uh, God has predetermined a destination for every believer in our age, uh, and that is to be conformed to the image of Christ. But but let's back, back out just a little bit more, because now we can take a, a snapshot of the Old Testament. And we can see in the Old Testament that what God was doing through the, the nation of Israel, he was, he was calling people out 
of the world to become like him. Be ye holy, for I am holy. Be like me. Be godly, godlike, right? Follow the word, the law, what Moses gave, the, the sacrifices. Be, be right with God to be like God. Be holy, for I am holy. We see the same thing. God is calling lost man to be like him in character and conduct. Why? Because that is what Adam lost. When God made Adam and Eve, when God made man in the garden, the Bible says that God made man according to his own image. So man, in his original state, carried the image of God. And when man fell, that image of God was tainted, it was twisted, it was perverted by sin. And so from Genesis chapter 3, we see God's plan and program of salvation and restoration, that God is working to restore his lost image in lost man. You see that in the proto-evangel or whatever they call it in Genesis 3.15, you know, where we got that first little, that first little seed of hope. Where, where it says that, you know, the, the seed of the woman's going to crush the seed of the serpent's head, and, the, and then he'll bruise his heel, and that promise, well, that promise is the very first glimpse that we get that God has a plan to restore what we messed up. So when we get through this, when we, when we get to the New Testament, we've gone through this progressive revelation of God's plan from, you know, Genesis through the giving of the law to the prophets and the gospels, and then finally the, the epistles and the, the general epistles. We get, we get this finished product. We can look to the, to the finished product at the end of this progressive revelation, and we can see God's plan from the beginning has been to conform man to his image, because that's what man lost. So that's what we're talking about when we talk about discipleship, folks. We're not talking about a program in the church. Come on. It's a whole lot bigger than that. We need to take a step back from our tools and take a step back from our structures. And we need to take a look, a new look at this, this idea of discipleship. What is it, discipleship? And what we see is it's the process that God goes through of getting a sinner saved and a saved sinner sanctified. It's that process of becoming more and more like Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, Emmanuel. And so that's what we we, we started to see. On a, on, a, on a broad level in the Old Testament, yes, we can see these concepts of, of discipleship. And the Old Testament, of course, drops us off right there in Matthew chapter 1 in the Gospels, and then later we, we see the book of Acts, and, and we see disciples, in, in the Gospels, I, I think it's really interesting. I mentioned this in the last podcast in John chapter 9, you know, with this story of the blind guy, the guy that was born blind from birth. And, and uh, the religious leaders in, in, in Israel, they had a problem with this guy. And, of course, the guy comes up and they say, well, how did he do it? What did he do? Who is he? Where is he at? And they question him and interrogate him and question him and interrogate him. And this guy gets fed up and, uh, and, and he says, what do you want to be his disciples to? And the leaders, they take a step back and they go, no, you're his disciple. We're Moses' disciples, right? And so we see that Israel considers an Israelite, an Israelite that we might consider faithful to the law, an Israelite considered himself a disciple. He said, we're Moses' disciples. Why? Because they followed the law of Moses. It's what God gave Israel to be holy as he was holy. They were disciples. So again, we see this, this concept of discipleship, even in the Old Testament, even in the law, because those who faithfully followed the law, they considered themselves to be Moses' disciples. Okay, and then we saw also that the, that John the Baptist he had disciples. The Pharisees they had disciples, and even the 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 Romans, the Greeks they they had disciples in their own secular cultures. And then obviously Jesus Christ, um, he had disciples. And Jesus Christ, like we said before, he took this concept of discipleship. Moses disciples, you know, John the Baptist disciples, Pharisees disciples. He took that concept and he molded it throughout the three and a half years of his earthly ministry and dropped it off there with us in, in the book of Acts when he uh, ascended and went back to heaven. And it's it's the discipleship that we see, okay? The discipleship that we see. It's not some general following around, some general apprenticeship. No, it's, it's, it's salvation. It's our new life. 
Okay, it is turning from sin and self, like Paul says, I, I die daily, and it is living for Jesus Christ because he is the one who gave his life for us, resurrected and gave us uh, forgiveness of sins and the, and the new birth. So we follow Christ. This is an exchange of life. Okay, so it's not just some casual concept like we see at the beginning of the Gospels. No, Jesus gave us a form of discipleship that is very, very unique. And so with this, as we, as we start diving into some new material in this podcast, just remember, discipleship, okay, discipleship, at, at, at the end of the day, in its most general terms, I'm saying most general terms because it is general terms, it's God's work to restore his image in lost man. Okay, God's work to restore his image in lost man. That, that's discipleship, okay? That's discipleship. It's a it's a process that begins with salvation. It's a and then it continues through this this process of sanctification. And, and really, folks, if we just stop there, if we just stop there and got ourselves away from structures, you know, D1, D2, D3, D4, if we got ourselves away from materials, you know, well, have you been through the 16 lessons? Well, have you been through, wait a minute, if we just stopped there and we said, you know, this work is God's work, discipleship is restoring uh, his His image in lost man and is a process of salvation and sanctification. We could do a lot with that because we could say, okay, if 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 this work to restore the lost image of God in fallen man, if it begins with salvation, hey, let's get our heads together and let's think, what could we do to lead men and women to salvation? We don't have to talk about structure. We don't have to talk about materials. We just get together and say, hey, how can we go and get people saved? And then we work that out. And then we can do the same thing with the second part, because, you know, discipleship begins with salvation. Turn from sin and self and turn to Jesus Christ, and you follow him. Okay, let's think about the followers of Jesus Christ. What's God? What does God want to do? He wants to sanctify them. He wants to see them grow in Christ-likeness, in godliness, God-likeness, to be like God. Okay, without thinking about structures and materials and books and, and, and whatnot, what could we do to help other believers? Or even the most simple question, what could we do to help another believer? Just one, grow a little bit more in Christ-likeness. What could we do? Well, I think there's a lot. Okay, so this is kind of where we, we've been left with, with the study that we've, we've done up to this point. This is discipleship, okay? It's the process of following the Master. Our Master is the Lord Jesus Christ. We follow His teaching. We follow His example so that we can become more and more like Him in both character, inside, and conduct, outside, okay? So what about discipleship after the earthly ministry of Jesus? Because like I began this part, when I talked about, you know, asked you a couple of questions, well, we don't see it in, you know, Paul, we don't, what, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Look, look, what about Paul? What about the epistles? Because Paul never once mentions disciple or discipleship in the letters he writes to Christians. Frankly, we don't see the word disciple or discipleship or discipling. We don't see that word after Acts chapter 21, verse 16. Let me read this passage to you. I mean, it's just a common passage. It's very, Paul goes to Jerusalem, and I'll read um, Acts 21, starting in verse 14. We'll read 15 and 16. And the Bible says, and when he would not be persuaded, Paul, he's going to Jerusalem, you know, whether God wants him in Rome or not, he's going to Jerusalem. And so when he would not be persuaded, we ceased saying, the will of the Lord be done. And after those days, we took up our carriages, the stuff that we're carrying, and went to Jerusalem. There went with us also certain of the disciples of Caesarea, and brought with them one nation of Cyprus, an old disciple with whom we should lodge. That, folks, is the last mention of disciple in the Bible. Nation of Cyprus, God says he's an old disciple. And then after that verse, Acts 21, 16, the Bible, God's word, is silent with regard to the word disciple. And I know there's many folks out there, good 
Bible-believing Christians and pastors and leaders and teachers, they take that to mean that discipleship is not meant for us today. Discipleship was something Jewish. Discipleship was something for the, the earthly ministry of Christ while he's physically present on the earth, not for us today. So before getting into some details, let's just some, let's make some very, very simple observations. Okay? Simple. First, discipleship terminology was still in use during the ministry of Paul. While he evangelized, while he established churches during his his three missionary trips, all the way up to Acts 21, folks, all the way up to Acts 21, when he's going to Jerusalem and he's about to be, you know, locked up in jail, and they haul him off to, to Rome where he writes a bunch of his 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 prison letters, prison epistles, and 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 whatnot. So look, even up to Acts Acts chapter 21, even though Paul doesn't use the word disciple in his epistles. The word is still in use when he wrote those epistles. Do you see the overlap? I think that's important to take note of, that at the beginning of the church, the beginning of the church age, there was still this concept of believers, Christians, their disciples. Okay, And secondly, secondly, even though the word disciple is not mentioned by Paul, he most certainly wrote about the same concept as we see in the Old Testament, and throughout the life of Jesus. Again, I'm going to refer to Luke 6.40 and Romans 8.29. In Luke 6.40, Jesus Christ clearly stated that a disciple is one who is in the process of becoming like his master. A disciple of the Lord is one who is growing in Christ to become more and more like him. Paul, in Romans 8.29, refers to this very same process. Without the term disciple, he clearly states that God's ultimate goal for all born-again believers in the church age is that we be conformed to the image of his Son. It's the same concept we see in Luke 640. It's what we are calling discipleship. So Luke 640 and Romans 829 establish the link between what we can call explicit discipleship in the Gospels and a similar concept, although not called discipleship, in the Epistles. So we see an explicit discipleship in the Gospels. But in the Epistles, we see the concept, because it's not called discipleship, and Christians in the, in, in the Epistles, they're not called disciples, they're called saints. So with those two things in mind, let's just ask ourselves, see if we can figure this one out. And obviously, I'm the guy with the podcast, so I'm going to be throwing some ideas at you. Yes, and you can decide whether you want to uh, take them and run with them or not, okay? <clears throat> but look, why the absence of explicit discipleship language and terminology in Paul's epistles? Why? If we see the same concept, why did God stop using disciple? If we see the same concept, and we do, Luke 6.40, Romans 8.29, well, why the, why the change in terminology? Why did Paul not call us disciples? Why does Paul call us saints? So the terminology of discipleship, it changed with Paul. And it changed with Paul because discipleship itself had changed. Now, Obviously, this overall concept, it didn't change. It's still the same. God wants us to be like him. He wants to restore the lost image of God and fallen man. We get that. But there's a huge difference, folks, huge difference between discipleship during the Gospels and discipleship during the epistles. Folks, the concept is there, called discipleship explicitly in the Gospels, but the concept is there in the epistles. But there is one huge major difference. It's the physical presence of the Master, the Lord Jesus Christ. The change in Jesus' presence among his disciples meant a necessary change in the idea of discipleship. Jesus' physical presence among his disciples has been replaced by three things. Okay, three things. The Scripture, the Spirit, and the saints. 
Did you like that? I got them all with an S. So that means it's inspired, baby, right there. The Scripture, the Spirit, and the Saints. Okay, that was a joke. I'm sorry. Okay, if you if uh, maybe you'll get my my humor later on. That was just a that was a preacher joke. Um, you have to alliterate. You know, if you want three points in a poem, uh, which is which is the basic outline of a good sermon. Uh, another Baptist joke. You got to alliterate. So three S's. Jesus, when he left the earth, he left us with his words. That's scripture. We now have the complete, perfect, and sufficient word of God in the Bible, the scripture. That's 2 Timothy 3, 15 to 17. Okay, while Jesus was on the earth, scripture existed, the Old Testament, but the words of Christ, okay, the new words and the new revelation that God was going to give to us were spoken by the Lord Jesus Christ, written down later, but spoken by the Lord Jesus Christ. So we don't have his spoken word today, we have his written word today, Scripture. The second thing is the Spirit. We we have the spiritual presence of Christ in our spirit. It, it's the Spirit of God, it's the Holy Spirit, it's the Spirit of Christ. And that that new birth, that spiritual birth, the presence of God's Spirit in our spirit, did not start until Acts chapter 2. And so Jesus was when he was physically on the earth with his disciples in the in the history of the gospels okay during his earthly ministry he was physically present with some of his disciples because the vast majority of his disciples had jobs and they couldn't follow him around everywhere he had 12 guys that did that and three that were his inner inner group the majority of the disciples didn't spend the majority of their time uh, following Jesus Christ. It was an intermittent thing, you know, after work or on the weekends or whatever you want to call it. Well, today, the presence of Christ is spiritually in every disciple, every Christian. So the physical presence of Christ among his disciples has been, number one, replaced by the Scripture, number two, by the Spirit, and number three, by the saints. Folks, we have the local church. We have the local congregation of believers. And, and I know, you know, like I said, I began my, my Christian walk with the Navigator, so I understand parachurch ministries, and I understand why they exist, and I think some of them are good, and whatever, but whatever. But God's plan, if we look just in the Bible, folks, you don't see parachurch ministries. God's plan is the local church through a structure of a pastor and deacons, leaders and teachers, the body with its members being able to minister uh, one to another and edify itself in love. I mean, that, that's God's plan. And we're going to get into this more in detail later when we start talking about, uh, you know, God's methods, um, His means, if you want to call it means of, of, of edifying us. We need the saints. We need to be in a local church. That's why, you know, with all of this, I'm, I'm, I'm recording this in 2020, in, in December of 2020, and I'm telling you, all this hysteria about this ridiculous pandemic, I, and I understand Okay, the coronavirus is bad and it and it hits our elderly community pretty rough, but the vast majority of others who aren't within the elderly community, folks, it's a it's a bad case of a virus, okay? But what they've done is they've shut down a lot of what we do as Christians. There's a lot of public and open air places that there's nobody there anymore. Okay, to go street preaching, to go open air preaching. They're closing down churches because they don't want us together. They want us to social distance. And, and a lot of people have turned to the internet and what I call Facebook theologians and YouTube theologians. And I know here I got a podcast, so you might as well just throw me in with them. I like to call myself a basement theologian. That's why, look, I was a pastor, I was a missionary, and I'm not anymore. Okay, I'll be honest with you. I'm a cop. Okay, I got a job, I got a family, I got I got bills to pay. I mean, I got a little little itty bitty little itty bitty Sunday school class uh, that I teach at, at at Crest Bible Church right now. And so, look, I'm not saying that that you know I, I got everything going, but what we've done by moving our services online is we have removed this element that God instituted to replace the physical presence of the Master among his disciples. We need to be physically with other believers in a local church. We need a local church, a local congregation of believers. We need that, or we're not going to grow like God wants us to grow. He gave us the Scripture, the Spirit, and the saints in the local church structure. 
I mean, the local church. What does church mean? The, it comes from the Greek word ecclesia or something like that. It means a called out group. Well, you don't have a local church until you have a group that's been called out to a specific place. We need to meet, folks, physically. We need to be around each other. So these three elements, they work together in the plan and purpose of God to make disciples through evangelism and edification, Scripture, Spirit, and the saints. These three elements also necessitate a change in discipleship terminology for us. Because the dynamic of discipleship underwent a change. Jesus Christ is no longer physically present among his, his disciples. So discipleship terminology changed also. So Christ is not physically present. Becoming like him cannot be accomplished by spending time with him. I know, I know, you wake up in the morning and you have your quiet time, four hours in the Bible, and and then then six hours in prayer and sackcloth and ashes, and, and then you have, you know, your breakfast where you break the fast that you've been having because you're, I know, I get it, I do the same thing, okay? We spend time with Jesus. But listen, we don't spend time with Jesus, okay? Seriously, I get up in the morning and I have about an hour or an hour and a half to spend some time in the Bible, um, some time in prayer, uh, some time meditating on Scripture. And honestly, I sit by myself in my office with a cup of coffee, okay, and my Bible. But Jesus is not here. And I know what you're thinking. Oh, Jesus is, is with every one of us. He's in my heart because I asked Jesus into my heart. He, I, I, I get it, okay? But listen, listen. Peter... And John and James and Matthew, they followed Jesus around. They spent time with him physically, followed him, listened to him, watched him. They could touch him. We don't do that. For as much time, quote-unquote, as we spend with Jesus, we don't spend any time with Jesus physically. So becoming like Jesus now is accomplished in a different way. So we see different terminology referring to the process of discipleship. Namely, now here's, here's our terminology, okay? And I'm going to borrow this from, from Paul, where he said in, in 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, follow me as I follow Christ. Okay, follow me as I follow Christ. Now, I'm going to make a, I'm going to make a, a comment on this verse, because I think it's a concept that I want to communicate, not necessarily to change the Word of God. Okay, guys, listen, I'm not changing the Word of God. The Bible says, Paul, be ye followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. And I know that in, in a lot of our circles, Bible-believing circles, there's a lot of people who get really ruffled when somebody says that that word, be ye followers of me, can be translated, be imitators of me. And we make a big thing, we, we throw our hands up, and we flop on the ground, and we pitch a fit, and we say, we're not supposed to imitate anybody. We're not supposed to imitate anybody. We're not supposed to imitate anybody. When what we should do is simply take a look at the word and look and to see what this means to be a follower of Paul. Okay, he used a word, the Greek word is, it would be similar to mimic, mimic. And if you do that word study, you see how that word's used, how that word's translated, how that word's defined, okay, you know what it, it means? It, it reminds me of my martial arts classes. Now, I don't know if you've ever taken martial arts. I tried this and I tried that and, and nothing ever stuck, nothing ever worked. I always got bored with it. But it was always the same thing. Put your feet this way, put your hands this way, you kick this way, you, you punch this way, and when you get hit, you're supposed to get back up this way. And, and they tell you something and you kind of look at them and you say, what? I'm supposed to do what with my back foot when I kick you with my front foot? And, and what does the instructor say? Watch me, okay? Watch me. Now, do what I just did. What is he saying? I'm going to teach you. I'm going to instruct you. I'm going to describe to you what I want you to do. Okay? I got it. Okay? But when he tells me, I don't get it because I can't see it. So he says, okay, 
watch me. So I watch him do it, and then he tells me, now you do it. So what do I do? I mimic him. I imitate him. I follow him in doing what he did to apply what he taught me. Okay? So let's not get hung up from here on out when the podcast guy says imitate or mimic or follow, because that's what I'm talking about. What Paul said was, follow me, my teaching, we're going to get, we're going to get to this in just a minute, my teaching and my lifestyle. Follow what I say, follow what I do. Listen to what I say and do what I do. Whether you call that follow, imitate, mimic, I don't care. Because it's looking at someone who is more mature in Christ than you and seeing how they apply the Scripture in a certain area of life and doing it like they do it in order to learn how to do it yourself. Okay? So look, here's here's an example from my life, something that I have seen repeated consistently, folks, consistently. Training up preachers. Okay, this is that's part of the discipleship process. Okay, you have certain members of the body that God has has gifted in such a way that they need to study the Bible and they need to learn how to put together a sermon. They need to learn how to, to deliver a sermon, how, how to preach, right? So when you see a new preacher, I guarantee he is gonna sound he's gonna sound like the guy he learned to preach from. He's going to have the same mannerisms as the person he learned to preach from. When I learned to preach, when I was learning the Bible and learning how to preach the Bible and teach the Bible, I had three pastors who, for me, were examples like Paul that I wanted to follow. It was Jeff Adams, Alan Shelby, and Bob Alexander. And there were certain, there were, there was a ton of other guys with me back in the early 90s. It was 91 to 95 before I got sent out to Latin America in 95. And those five years, I, I sat under Bob Alexander, Alan Shelby, and Jeff Adams. And you could see who gravitated to which of those pastors because they, they had the mannerisms of those pastors. They wanted to be like them. They wanted to learn from them. So they received the instruction and they followed their example. They followed their example to the point of imitating even some of their mannerisms. Some of their mannerisms. And we would joke about it. I think Tim Howey was the one who had the best imitation of Bob Alexander I've ever seen. I mean, it was wonderful. But we can imitate those men. Why? Because after it's like it's like the martial arts. After you imitate the teacher a couple of times for a couple of reps, you know what? You don't have to imitate him anymore. You practice doing it yourself and you develop that skill within your own personality, within your own within your own person. And it's exactly the same. You might imitate a pastor, like Alan Shelby. You might have some mannerisms of Jeff Adams from way back when from the 90s, or you may preach like Bob Alexander. And yet, throughout the years, I've been preaching now for about 20 or 25 years after all of that. And so you can probably hear a lot of those three men still in me, but it's it's me now. I, I don't imitate them anymore. I'm not following them anymore, but I learned from them and their example, and that's where I'm where where, where I'm at today. That's what we're talking about. Okay, that when we talk about following men. And this is why, folks, in the epistles, we don't see the word disciple. Why? Because we're following men. And I know that goes right up your nose. I know. I know just like imitate. I know that goes right up your nose. Or um, like when I said, you're not following Jesus, that we're following men. I want you to think about the physical example that we have to follow. If I say, I want to learn how to preach, I need to see a man preach. I need to see somebody get in the pulpit and shuck the corn, right? I mean, I need to see somebody preach. If I'm going to if I want to learn how to how to love my wife or how to raise my kids or how to be a better employee, I I really like an example to follow. That's why look, look. 
I I mean, I love Sean Holes. If you guys don't know Sean Holes, Google Sean Holes Luke 10 2 Ministries. He's one of the best street preachers I've ever met. And and one of my prayers is, God, make me more like Sean Holes. I want to be a street preacher like that guy. You know, I do. Or Jeff Rose. If you can Google Jeff Rose and some of his his passionate street preaching, dude, I want to be like that. But what are we doing when we when we say that? We're following men. Why? Because they're following Christ and we want to be more Christ-like in the area that we see in them that they're farther along in that area than we are, so we follow them. We're not disciples of the men we follow. We're disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so that's why we don't see this word disciple in the epistles. Because in the Gospels, the people who followed Christ are called disciples because that's we're disciples of Christ. But now that Christ is not here, God has given us the saints, men who have gone before us, men and women, the faithful, that we can follow them as they follow Christ. And so that's why we don't use the term disciple, because you are not my disciple. I am not your disciple. I want to be a preacher on the street like Sean Holes and Jeff Rose, but I am not their disciple. We are brothers in Christ. We are all disciples, but we're disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. So because the Lord is not here, God has placed men in his stead, men that he has told us to follow. So in this concept of imitation or following men, what we refer to is just a process of transferring a lifestyle from one generation to the next, like a master would his apprentice. It's this concept of imitation or following men. It's what we see over and over and over in the Gospels. Now I'm going to read you a whole slew of verses, okay? 1 Corinthians 4.16. 1 Corinthians 4.16. The Bible says, Wherefore I beseech, beseech you, be ye followers of me. That's Paul exhorting believers to be followers of him, to do and live as he did. Follow me, he said. Well, that's what Jesus Christ said. So that gets us to, to 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, where Paul says, Be ye followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. So there's our concept. We can learn how to be disciples of Christ and how to follow Christ by following men who are following Christ, because we can see them. We can reach out and touch them. We can see what they have for breakfast. We can see how they preach on the streets. We can see how they study the Bible. We can see how they deal with people. We can watch them and follow them and learn from them. So that's discipleship, folks. It's through Scripture we receive instruction that we need. It's God's Word, what He tells us. And then through the saints, we see real-life examples of how to live out that instruction and become what God expects us to become, examples we can follow and touch and talk to in order to follow Christ. And then obviously, all of that comes together with the work of the Holy Spirit, applying Scripture in our life and using the saints to conform us more and more to the image of Christ. But we need both. Folks, we need both. We need the instruction of the Word of God, and we need the example of the saints. We need people we can follow. Philippians 3.17. Philippians 3.17. Paul says the same thing. Philippians 3.17. The Bible says, Brethren, be followers together of me, and mark them that walk so as ye have us for an ensample. We need to follow the example of believers. Believers who are more mature than we are, believers who are farther along in, the, in, in their spiritual growth in an area of life than we are, follow them. Be like them. Philippians 4.9, Paul says, Those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. There it is. So we hear and learn the instruction of other men. You hear it, you learn it. As they teach Scripture, as you learn Scripture, they're, they're hear and learn. And then we receive and see their example as they live out the Scripture. So we do what we see in them. We follow Christ by following men. We Paul said, be followers of me as I am of Christ. 1 Thessalonians 1.6-8. 1 Thessalonians 1.6-8. He says, and ye became followers of us and of the Lord. That's how you become a follower of the Lord. Be followers of us. You follow us, learn how to follow the Lord. 
having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Ghost, so that you were in samples to all that believe in Macedonia and Achaia. For from you sounded out the word of the Lord, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place. Your faith to God were to spread abroad so that we need not speak anything. So look, here's, here's the, the Thessalonians. As we follow other more mature believers, we ourselves eventually become good examples that other less mature believers can follow in order to learn how to serve the Lord. That's discipleship. That's generational reproduction. That's discipleship. 2 Thessalonians 3, 7-9, Paul says, For yourselves know how you ought to follow us. For we behaved not ourselves disorderly among you, neither did we eat any man's bread for naught, but wrought with labor and travail night and day, that we might not be chargeable to any of you. Not because we have not power, but to make ourselves an ensample unto you to follow us. Practical discipleship in the church age includes both instruction and imitation. It is both instruction from the Word of God, imitation following the men of God who are applying the instruction in their lives. They show us how to do it. So after the ascension of Christ, discipleship changed, and so did its terminology. When Jesus Christ was on earth, he provided both necessary elements of discipleship. He provided the instruction by teaching his disciples personally. He provided the example that they could follow, expecting his disciples to do what he did. Okay, follow me, let me teach you, now let me show you, now go do it yourself. Instruction and example. After Christ ascended from earth... Both necessary elements of discipleship are still provided to the Lord's disciples, but now they come through Scripture, the saints, and the Spirit. Think about it. The instruction that we receive. We learn about Christ through the teaching, preaching, and study of the Scripture. As, the, as, as we learn Scripture, the other saints, they teach us Scripture. The Spirit of God leads us into all truth. That's the instruction we receive. And then the example, we can see and follow, imitate, if you will, see and follow tangible examples of how to live out and apply the teaching of Scripture in other more mature saints. Follow me as I follow Christ, like Paul said. And that means we follow other believers that are filled with the Holy Spirit of God and applying the instruction we want to apply, being filled with the Holy Spirit of God. And the reason for the change in discipleship terminology, then, is the change in the discipleship dynamic. Think about it. When Christ was on earth, he was the single source of both teaching and example. He was the single source of the instruction for his disciples, and the example to follow. One guy, one source, one point. After Christ ascended, those two essential elements are still present, but now they're separate. We do not have one unique source for both teaching and example. Teaching comes through the Scripture, is taught by the Spirit through the saints. The example is given through more mature saints as they are filled with the Spirit and live out the Scripture. And so, since we are in part emulating other believers, we are in part following men as they follow Christ, we are in part imitating their godly example to learn how to apply the Scripture, the Bible does not refer to us in the epistles as disciples, because we are not disciples of the men we follow. In the epistles, like I said before, we're called saints. Why? Well, we're called saints because God now sees us complete and holy and perfect in Christ. That's our position. That's how God sees us. We're saints. Christ is our redemption. Christ is our sanctification. Christ is our all in all. It's done. In Christ, it's over. It's done. The predestination is finished in God's mind. We will all arrive there one day. God calls us saints. So we're to follow other more mature saints in order to make our practice in the world match our position in Christ. Since we are saints positionally, 
we need to grow in sanctification practically. This is the essence of discipleship in Paul's epistles, becoming what we already are in Christ. Okay, think about that. As you read through Paul's epistles, he continually explains what we have in Christ, what we are in Christ, what we have become in Christ. And then after he gives us that doctrine, in the latter part of his epistles, he brings it around and he tells us, then do this, do this, don't do this, do that, apply it this way, and he teaches us how to become what we are in Christ, how to make our practice match our position. And this is discipleship. So discipleship in the church age is accomplished through instruction and imitation, through teaching and training, through exhortation and example, through speaking and showing, through learning the Scripture and following the example of more mature saints. It's simply learning the Bible in doing what it tells you. And you learn the Bible on your own and through the leaders of your local church, through the pastors and teachers that God has given you in your life, and then you do what the Bible tells you following the example of more mature believers. So what's discipleship? Well, discipleship refers to the process of spiritual maturity. A sinner grows in spiritual maturity to become like his master, the Lord Jesus Christ. We are all called by God to be disciples. Be disciples. So, to be a disciple, you have to be saved. To be a disciple, you have to be growing in Christ-likeness. So, are you receiving instruction? Are you learning the Scripture? Are you growing in the Scripture? Are you following other Spirit-filled saints in a local congregation? Do you have anybody who is a hero in the faith for you? You could say, dude, I want to be like Jeff Rose, man. I want to preach on the street with that kind of passion. I want to be as dedicated and consistent as Sean Holes out preaching in the universities, out in the open air. I want to be like him. Are you following anybody? The example of more mature believers and to grow to grow in sanctification. Do you have a hero of the faith? Some of y'all, you need to find a hero that is a preacher because this world needs preachers. The church today needs preachers and not guys that just pound the pulpit and stomp around. We need men who will study the Bible, learn the Bible, be filled with the Bible so that they can proclaim, thus saith the Lord. Do, is, is that you? Do you need an example to follow? Pray for it. Follow some that's doing that. God gave me Jeff Adams, Alan Shelby, and Bob Alexander, and praise God for them. So we're, we're called by God to be disciples. So be a disciple. You're called by God to make disciples. So let me ask you are, you, are you doing that? Are you evangelizing the lost? Are you edifying the saved? Are you getting the Word of God out in evangelism, sharing the Word with other believers for their edification? Are you providing a good example at least in some area of life, I know we're messed up. I know we're totally dysfunctional, and not every area of our life is, is, is exemplary for people to follow. But are you at least a good example in some area that some immature believer could go, hey, look at that, I could do that too, and grow a little bit in Jesus Christ by following you? That's discipleship. Be and make disciples through instruction and example, okay? Now, our next message, next podcast, we're going to take this one step further so we can finish up this, this series on discipling and discipling and discipleship, and we're going to move on to something a little more uh, a little more in detail in, 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 with regards to evangelism and with regards to edification. But we need to talk about discipling. Okay, we, we see the word disciple in the Bible. We invented the noun discipleship. Now let's talk about the verb. We know what a disciple is. We know what discipleship refers to. So what about discipling? And not only about what is it, but the key question, who's responsible for it? I mean, <laughs> discipling, who's supposed to do that? And so, like I said, we're going to clarify that concept by what the Bible says. We're going to try and make it as practical as we can, and then we're going to take a couple of uh, a couple of good hard looks at just how we disciple others, just 
how, very practically, how discipleship happens today. And like I said, we're going to take a hard look at evangelism, God's means and goals in evangelism. We'll take a look at edification and God's means and goals for edification. How is it that we can evangelize? Give me some practical aspects. Make it biblical because it's got to be based in faith. And then give me some practical advice on what I need to be doing to edify the saints. Because folks, I'm telling you, I want to be a disciple and I want to make disciples because I want life to matter. This life, 70 years, 80 years, 90 years, whatever, you're going to die and leave everything behind. So right now, what does God want us to do? Well, God wants us to be and make disciples. That's our life's mission. Glorify God, enjoy Him forever. How? Be and make disciples. So let's keep talking about that. Let's keep looking at the Bible. Let's keep stretching ourselves. And then look, look, let's do this. Be a disciple. Find something that you can do to grow in the Lord Jesus Christ. And then make disciples. Find something that you can do to help others become Christians and then grow as Christians. And if you say, Greg, I have no idea what I'm supposed to do. Well, stick with me. We'll be doing these podcasts, and I'll throw out some ideas for you. And if you're in Kansas City, like I'm saying in the intro and the outro, look, if if you're in Kansas City, come visit me. Um, we'll go sow some seed together. So praise the Lord. Thanks for listening. Lord bless you and keep you. Thanks for spending your time listening to my podcast, Theology 101. Simple is better. And it's just not that difficult to learn the Bible so we can do what it tells us. You can find the rest of my studies in English out on my website, theology101.net. And if you do Spanish, tengo más de 15 años de estudios bíblicos disponibles en mi sitio web, teología101.net. If you'd like to contact me, there's a contact page on my website. You're also more than welcome to visit me any Sunday that you wish. My church information is also out on my website. Remember what Nicholas von Zinzendorf always said, preach the gospel, die, be forgotten. Learn the Bible, do what it tells you, and come back for more Theology 101.